Someone doesn't want me to preach here today. <laughs> there we go. A good morning to all of us today. Uh, the day has come. We've been waiting for, for this day to come. I didn't realize that uh, there was a wedding a day before I was, in Chef, I was in Oxford. So there we are. But we thank God that we're here. I'm traveling with my wife, Lydia. Uh, we want to thank the, the leadership for inviting us to be here, Steve um, and Bev and Andy and Ruth and the rest of the leadership team. We are so privileged to be with you today, worshiping with you on Pentecost Sunday. Good timing, Andy. Thank you so much uh, to Andy and Ruth for hosting us. Uh, excellent hospitality. We enjoyed a great dinner last night. Uh, so we are, we, it's just lovely to be with family. We are part of the Salt and Light family, as Steve has said. And from what has happened this morning, I feel like I'm at home. I believe in what you're doing. <laughs> I, mean, I was nodding. They're saying, yes, 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 yes. That looks like what we're doing. That's exciting. So my wife and I have served in, um, in Sheffield Community Church for the last 14 years. We were part of the leadership in Faith Ministries Zimbabwe. Then we moved over to, to serve in a church, to start a church plant, with the vision of having it being open to all sorts of cultures, races, and people, as it were. So that's where we are. It's our pleasure to serve there, and we keep learning, like what we're doing today. OCC is not new to us. Um, as a matter of fact, my wife and I did the pastoral training course right here on the other side. I think we used to face that side, um, run by Jeff and Mary, I think. Yeah, many, many, many years ago. Uh, we just come from Zim. So we were passionate about reaching our city, and we just come from Zim, and we, we realized that the English we spoke in Zimbabwe was a little bit different from the one spoken in England. <laughs> There was an accent issue. So we said, um, the first thing we need to do is to learn how to minister to a new people group. And so we enrolled in pastoral training course specifically to learn how to pastor in a different setting. And since then, we've been learning even more. But this morning, I want to talk to us uh, from the theme, uh, from the series, which is your kingdom come to our city. Your kingdom come in our city. And for that, I'd like to, you to go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 11, and we'll read from verse 19. Acts, chapter 11, and we will read from verse 19. Now those, if you're there, I can start. Or they'll put it on the screen, I'm not sure. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that, that rose, arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit 
and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Verse 27. Now in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agapus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there will be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did, they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Um, the story of the Antioch church actually starts in, in, in Acts 2 as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday today. That's where things really began to happen in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, as we know, was a wonderful city, but it was stripped of its grandeur and its glory by the Romans and all other nations that invaded it. And when we, by the time we get to Acts chapter 2, it's under Roman control. And God pours out his spirit on the church. There were few people praying in the upper room. And the spirit poured on them. And it, it happened that at that time, there were many nations that had come to celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And they had them speaking in different tongues. And um, as you know, it was such a big event that touched a lot of people for that day. And yet, something of Jerusalem there was something special about that day because the foundations of the church were laid out. This was the birthing of the new church that we're part of today, the charismatic church, as it were, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, bringing a whole new dimension to what it means to know God personally. So this is the story. And we know that this was a great church because Acts 2, 41, 47 tells us about how this church loved worship, how the teaching was so good, the apostles' doctrine, how they spent time in fellowship, and how people came to Christ in droves. That particular day, 3,000 people came to Christ. I'm sure we're familiar with this story, some of us. Uh, but there was something about God's heart for people that was now lost in Jerusalem by the time we get to Acts chapter 7. Because in Acts chapter 7, the apostles were still in Jerusalem. And yet, Jesus was very clear in Acts 1.8. He says, you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And by Acts 7, they are still stuck in Jerusalem. And in Acts 8, God allows persecution to happen. And there is a kind of an ejection of people to all sorts of places. And the apostles still remain in Jerusalem, the great city. Something was lost somewhere about God's heart for all people. So what happened? This church had very good leaders. Uh, not only good leaders, but these were people discipled by the king himself of the kingdom. And yet somehow their blind spot was this gospel 
is good enough for us folks in Jerusalem. And we're not going anywhere with it. A great church, a wonderful church. I, I would like to think that something happened, and one of the things that could have happened is that Jerusalem church became exclusive. They became, there was a sense of pride in being in Jerusalem. There was a sense of pride in being a Jew. There was a sense of um, excitement that God is doing something, but from God's perspective, it came out as though they were boxing God in what he can do and what he cannot do. A good example is the Ethiopian eunuch where God takes out Philip from a big revival in Samaria and takes him to, the Bible calls it the old desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And there, God has set up one man to have an encounter with him. And he was coming from Jerusalem, a place of revival and worship, but God had to set him up to meet with Philip in a desert, on a desert road. Because even though he was in the middle of revival in Jerusalem, he still did not meet with God. But God will not let that go because of something in God's heart that says, I'm not going to let this man get away. So he does a miraculous thing. There are angels involved in that story. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But there was an exclusive nature in which the Jerusalem church had become. Another thing that we see about the Jerusalem church, a lovely church, don't get me wrong, it was a lovely church, powerful church, anointed church. But they were now entangled with tradition. They got entangled in tradition. Tradition is what used to work before. Tradition is what was innovative in the past. And so Jerusalem was still grappling with issues of food. So we can't eat that, which was okay because it was from the law of Moses. But because of the new dispensation they were in, something had changed about the diet. But they still held on to the diet. I mean, we, we continue with the diet problem until Acts 15. But there was another problem. Maybe this is more relevant to us this morning. Maybe to somebody. There was the issue of the comfort zone. They were now on auto cruise. Uh, a lovely church. But the apostles found it difficult to leave the city because they were familiar with the things that happened in the city. Yes, I mean comfort zones. The city of Jerusalem was the epicenter of all Christian activity at that time. But God did not want them to adopt a circled mentality because the kingdom of God is bigger than Oxford. Did I say Oxford or Antioch or Jerusalem? The kingdom of God is bigger than Jerusalem. Amen? Amen? It's bigger than Jerusalem. And yet the apostles were circled that we have saturated Jerusalem. We have met the target. Because by X5, the Bible says, these men who have turned Jerusalem upside down with the message of salvation. And yet, God's vision was bigger than the city of Oxford. Sorry, Jerusalem. When my wife and I relocated from Arare to Sheffield. We left a lot of things. One of them was the people we loved. Family and everything. 
And that was a difficult part to pray through because we're like, going to England? But you know, as we prayed through it and um, went through the scriptures, we realized that in the scriptures, there was really no one that God used in a significant way that was not called to leave something or someone. There's a sense that even Jesus, our Lord himself, had to move from heaven to earth so that God could accomplish his purposes. I like the vision in this house, bringing heaven to earth. That's movement. That is movement on its own. And, and God, is the kingdom message is movement. And so I'm in the right place this morning, uh, Steve. Thank you for your vision, because it, it, it pictures exactly what was happening in this story, where Jerusalem was shaken because heaven came down. But I don't think that was the end of the story. God still wanted a lot of other places to be shaken with the message that was being preached in Jerusalem. So not everybody in here this morning was born in Oxford, is that right? Most of us came here to do maybe studies or to, I just had them, I'm just, this is, this is not a prophet, I just had it up from the guys who are joining the church. Sounds like they're coming from different places. But what I want to say is that God has a purpose for that. There's a reason why God has brought us to Oxford. There's a reason why God has, has, has made you meet so and so, you got married, you settled here, when everybody else seems to be in transition when they come to Oxford, but you are here. So God is up to something. If it's okay, can you tell your neighbor that God is up to something? Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you. So, we want to see God plant and grow groups of OCC people across the city of Oxford. I like the addition, and beyond. And beyond. That's the kingdom thinking. And beyond. And this is not chronological. This can happen simultaneously, according to the kingdom thinking of God. So the kingdom, what then God does is amazing because the apostles are not leaving the city. They are the theologians. They are the anointed ones, but they are not going anywhere. So what God then does is, as he usually works through, he finds a way of making sure the kingdom of God is not domesticated in Jerusalem. So what he does is he does something that's not exactly nice, but it's kingdom-minded. He looks for another city to invert with the message. And this city was not Jewish. Mm. And the way he does it is he doesn't use the usual top-down approach. What he does is he uses migration to take his kingdom to another place. Can I go back now to X11? X11, we're introduced to a city called Antioch, a major city in the Roman Empire, the third most important city in the Roman Empire, with half a million people at that time in the first century. And there were some folks in Jerusalem that experienced revival, but because of persecution that followed after Stephen was uh, murdered, was done to death. They then ran for their lives, or their dear lives, just like most migrants will do. And they found shelter in Antioch, but what they carried within them was so strong that it could not be restrained by their circumstances. 
So the Bible then in verse 19 says of chapter 11 in the book of Acts, they started sharing the gospel message to the Jews and then they, they did something that had never been done before at that time. They then shared the gospel to people that did not look like them. They shared the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't know whether they were having a pastime just talking about Jesus Christ to them, but what then happened is the gospel caught fire and it started spreading across the Gentiles. And there was so much explosion in Antioch that they had to send Barnabas, and not none of the twelve, but they sent Barnabas to go and check it out. And if they're not happy with it, shut it down. So Barnabas goes to Antioch. And I like Dr. Luke who wrote Acts. He, he's very specific that this was not an ordinary man. He says this man was full of the Holy Spirit. And so when he got there, he blessed them. He blessed them. And didn't go back to Jerusalem. He changed his visa to permanent rest. <laughs> this is the story of God. This story, God is written all over this thing. All over this story. Because what happens is, Antioch becomes the first multi-ethnic church in the New Testament. And yet Jerusalem is still important. Very important. Jerusalem is an important city. But something shifted missionally. Something shifted kingdom-wise. Because God would not allow the gospel message to be locked up in one city. God loves people. God loves people. God is not about brick and mortar. God loves... There were half a million people in the city of Antioch. And God says... I'm not going to let all these people just lose it like that. I'd rather get the kingdom right in there. Same with the story in the Old Testament. We talk about Jonah, how God loved the, Nineveh, the people in the, Nineveh, in the Nineveh city. That Jonah, as reluctant as he was, God made sure if it means a fish swallowing him up, God says, I'm going to do it. So when in the New Testament, God says, if it means me using... People running away for their dear lives. I'm going to use it. And the gospel spread. So this is where we are. When I, when I, when I, when I, when I look at the city of Oxford, it's not a secret now that you're officially a diverse city. Is that, is that right? From what we're reading, officially in the last decade, a lot has changed in Oxford. Significant changes have happened. Could it be that God is up to something in Oxford? Could it be... Can I get closer to you? Could it be that God is up to something in OCC? Could it be? I'm just imagining here. Could it be? I like your theme. Thy kingdom come way here in our city. Our kingdom come in our city. So God is in the business of taking cities with the gospel. Antioch city was changed. It was never the same. You must understand that Antioch city was a, was a developed city, a very sophisticated city. 
strong in arts, in literature, in education, in politics and government, but the kingdom invaded that place. With all its complications, the kingdom of God came through the least expected, the unknown. The Bible doesn't even tell us the names of these immigrants. They didn't have any certification in church planting. They were not church planters. They were not apostles. God just used them anyway. And they did an uncommon thing. But here is where we come in. They were courageous enough to step out of the comfort zone and speak to people that were different from them and left the results to God. That's all they did. I, I would like to believe they're not super spiritual. They just obeyed God. And then they left the results to God. God will clean up stuff when it comes. But God, they just said, we're going to speak the word. And God will sort it out. I know in my old, see, now I'm a bit bicultural because my children, our children, three of them, when we take them to Zimbabwe, they like it, but they say, Daddy, when are we going home? Meaning England. Because where our home is. So, yeah, yeah, we love it here. We enjoy it. But when are we going home? So we have got two cultures in, the, in our house. The Zimbabwean culture and the, and the British culture, the two are mixed. Their first language is English. And our mother tongue is their second language. So it's very confusing, I know. But here's the thing. This, when we go to church now, we are under pressure to have a church that is relevant to them. They're actually our barometer, whether we're doing things okay. If they start saying, Daddy, church is boring, we know what that means. It means a swinging towards the Jerusalem model of being monocultural. So we're on our toes, <laughs> if that may help, because of that. So what could have happened? I want to just quickly take us through what it takes for the kingdom of God to come into a city. The first thing that it takes for, a kingdom of, uh, for the kingdom of God to come into a city is the passion for the nations. We must develop a passion for the nations. There's got to be a passion for the nations. God is passionate about nations. God loves nations. And by nations, the way I use the word nation is not geographic. Um, I'll take it from Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all ethnic groups, people groups. Those are nations. Uh, when I think of the United Kingdom, there are four nations in the United Kingdom. And when, so when we take it in the context of what is used in Matthew, it means that every ethnic group must be reached with the gospel. If we go to Africa, for example, we have got 54 countries in that continent. It's not one country, it's a continent. But within that continent, we have over 10,000 ethnic groups. And I'm being conservative here. And the gospel, according to Jesus, says, go and make disciples of all people groups. So the vision itself is far bigger than the city. So we've got to love people. Uh, or rather, catch the passion for God that he has for the people. This was, God's final, this was Jesus' final instruction. 
in my culture, what you say before you die is probably more important than everything else you have said while you are alive. So people will hold on to what he said when he, when he was dying. Wow, 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 we're going to do what he said. But in this context, the last words of Jesus before he left, guess what was in his mind? Nations. And not only nations saying, go for them. Go for them. But the beauty of God being God, he has made life a little bit easier for us in Oxford. Because what he's just done is to bring them here in our city. Isn't that amazing? They're right here. My neighbor comes from another country. Up the road, they come from another country. When I go to the shops, I meet people from all sorts of places. So they're, they're here. By God's wisdom, which is difficult to fathom, but we can pick a thread of what God is up to using the concept of the kingdom of God. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Antioch was planted by people who loved their diversity. And they reached out. The Bible talks about how we should love strangers and foreigners. I'm sure you're familiar with that from Deuteronomy. But in our context here, God's heart is for all people from all nations. And our heart cannot be smaller than that. Because that's what God is calling us to as Oxford Community Church. Here is the second thing. I think it's not good enough to have passion. I think God is calling us to actively participate in his plan for the nations. God wants us to participate. When I, when I talk about participation, I'm thinking of Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think God is calling all of us to be involved. It doesn't matter where we come from, but there's a sense in this fellowship that a platform is being created for us to serve. A platform is being created for us to participate in the life of the church. This is amazing. Even in choosing leadership, we're being invited to participate. My goodness, it can't get better than that. This is good. But we're also being called to participate. I think the turning is calling us to be a part of God's vision for nations. Because just in the streets of Oxford, I'm sure you meet people from all sorts of cultures, and we're being called as Oxford to be a part of that. This is God's mind. This is God's thinking. This is God's kingdom. It's about doing something about the nations that have come. God wants us to grow. Uh, in our church, one of the things we did, we realized when we started, we were mainly Africans. In fact, we're Zimbabweans until I started saying some things that led some Zimbabweans to leave the church. And what I, was, what, what, what I said was, this church is not for Zimbabweans, even though I'm from Zimbabwe. And we lost people. I think every week we were praying people out. God was calling them out. Because they were saying, we were looking for a Zimbabwean church. I said, well, we don't have one here. And so Africans started coming in. But when Africans were in, they said, but how come we're not an African church, are we? So we had to do something at least to engage the local population because Sheffield, like Oxford, has gone through massive demographic changes. 
So we put together um, what we call a VIP City Connect project. A VIP City Connect project is we, we provide a special lunch for people who are homeless, hopeless, and hungry, right from the city center. So we, we bus them into our building. They fill up the bus and in the city center. People wondering, where are they taking them to? Because in that bus, 2% of people get into that bus are actually Africans. 2%. The other 98% is local and from other parts of the world. So we bust them into a building. When they come to the building, they say, what kind of people are you? Why are you doing this? Why are you giving us a two-course VIP meal? Because we love you. Because we love Jesus Christ. That's what we say. But that's, that's I think when we do, when we, when we show the love of people, it goes beyond cultures. And God does something. God will deal with the, with the consequences of that. I leave that to God to deal with. But we've got to do our part. Love the lost. Love people from all persuasions. And my last point is to do with the trajectory of the kingdom of God. Join the party. Because in heaven, Revelation 7, in heaven, listen to what's happening in heaven. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. For every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. It will sound like the trajectory of the kingdom of heaven looks multi-ethnic. Is, is, that, is, is that true? Yeah. I've got theologians in the house here. They can, they'll sort it out. But let me just say it anyway. It looks like somewhere out there, before we even get there, let's join the party. Because the party in heaven is multi-ethnic. Yeah. Yeah. So I might as well do the adjustments this side and prepare for the party there. And the good thing about heaven is, oh, this church here is, no, 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 no. We are saying to God, God, we don't want to wait until we get to heaven, but we want to bring heaven down. And what are we bringing down exactly? A taste of heaven. A taste of what the kingdom is like. A picture, a small picture of what heaven looks like. And that picture, according to Revelation, it looks multi-ethnic. By the way, the picture in heaven reflects what is on earth. So the city in Oxford, what God is calling us to, even in Sheffield, God wants our city, our church to reflect what's in the city. So I want to say to us that when you look at uh, the church in Antioch, I'm about to close. I know, I know yesterday, five minutes extended to ten minutes if you're in Windsor at the wedding. I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm going to close. If you follow 
the story of Antioch in Acts 13, Dr. Luke gives us a list of the leadership team. And the leadership team, they had guys from Cyprus, guys from Africa, guys from the Mediterranean, and guys from Tassos, the five of them. And they were all looking like the city of Antioch because God loves people. And God is up to something with what's happening. There's a guy called Tim Deborn. He said this. He says, It's not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a church in the world. Meaning, it's not us who decides how church should look like. That decision is made in heaven and we want to bring heaven down here that's our vision we are praying that there will be different multi-ethnic communities filling the city of Sheffield and beyond and then we leave this up to God let's see what God wants to do with this let's see where God is going with this thing because God is up to something big for Oxford Community Church and I want to just encourage us and say we have been commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations. It is in our going that the kingdom of God will come. It is in our going on the streets of Oxford that the kingdom of God will come. It is in our coming to worship together that the kingdom of God will come. In those community groups that we're meeting in. It is in our going and our meeting and our serving God that the kingdom of God will come. The kingdom of God is in motion and God wants to join us as we, as we, as we push out beyond our normal frontiers, beyond our comfort zones, and then let's leave the results to God. And I think we're in the right place. And I think we're, these are the right people. And I think God has set us up in Oxford for a big, big, big assignment. And it's about to explode. It's the theme. I was given the theme. And I'm just following the theme. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I could have preached something different. But the theme is arresting me to say what I've just said. May the Lord richly bless you. Is that okay? Yeah. Amen. What Amazon has shared uh, is not a random thing spoken into a vacuum. It's not a, a thought that stands by itself. But as a church, we have long held a conviction in in, along these lines that we look forward to a multi-ethnic party for the rest of eternity, and we want to live in that now. And um, in the history of this church over the 35 or so years that we've been going, in the early days, there were just a few people from different nations who we used to call internationals. Uh, because in that season, what happened was people came in from around the nations and they were uh, in Oxford for a few years doing studies and then and going away again. And there was not such a settled range of different ethnic minorities living in the city. Uh, when I started working for the church around the turn of the millennium, we had a push and we said, it's got to move on from that. There are beginning to be uh, communities of people living in the city of, from different ethnic backgrounds. And we can't just be doing with people that are coming and going. 
participating in the church whilst they're here for a bit. There's a change taking place in the city that we need to, to be part of, and we pushed on on it. But actually, it didn't quite work out. Some of you will know that we employed a couple who came direct from Nairobi, Kenya, to work for us to try and help us to become more multi-ethnic. When we had dinner last night, we had dinner with them too, with Gatow and Jackie, and we talked about how things had been then and the challenges that we had. Uh, but the city has only continued to become more racially and ethnically and culturally diverse. And uh, I want to be really clear this morning, we rejoice in that. There was a sense of rejoicing, wasn't there? I keep coming back to the royal wedding yesterday because it was striking in the fact that it was like something broke yesterday in the story of our nation, that we're used to seeing the, the highest echelons of our society being purely white and formal and restrained. And something broke yesterday in the story of our nation that cannot be undone. And, and brothers and sisters, this is our future in this city, and it's our future in the church life of this city to embrace that ethnic diversity. Now, we don't have some great action plan for achieving that, because every move of God starts with something changing in our hearts. And, and maybe God's already got you there, but if it's not, if you haven't already assumed, if you haven't already got it in your heart that whatever our future holds, it's a multi-ethnic future... If there's something in you that somehow resists that and thinks that's in some way a bit of a shame or an accident or something, well, may God help you with that because the, our future is clear. It, it, and as, as Anderson, said, Anderson said so clearly, if not in this life for all of eternity, why not in this life? Our future is clear. It's a multi-ethnic community that we're part of. And... Um, if it is clear in our hearts, then this Pentecost Sunday, let's pray that God equips us. Whatever rivers we need to get over, may he give us bridges. If for some of us there's some kind of intimidation at the prospect of stepping out of the culture that we know well, may God give us courage and may God give us wisdom. And then there are some specific things that God will want to give to us. We love the fact that there's a welcome boxes initiative that we've got a bit of money for to to, as a practical tool, a new ministry that will help us to connect with people from different ethnic backgrounds. But, you know, there's more that God wants to do. And um, I'm going to finish by praying. I'm going to pray that God would catch us up into his great purposes. And this isn't about adding another 15 things to the list of jobs to do. The stage that we're at is about God changing our hearts and then beginning to give us seeds that we can do new things with. And then, as Anderson also said, I'm just agreeing with him. Uh, let God deal with all the consequences of that. Let him change our hearts. And then let's see where it takes us. So, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that on this Pentecost Sunday, as we remember, at the very beginning and the birth of the church, it was a multi-ethnic affair speaking the languages of many nations. Thank you for Anderson and for Lydia being with us this morning. We pray that you would change our hearts in every way that's needed. We pray that prejudices would be washed out of us. We pray that hurts and pain that has sometimes been occasioned by our ethnic identity, we pray that too would be washed 
Lord, thank you that we are a community that is reconciled in Christ, enjoying forgiveness in Christ. We pray that you would deal with any of those deeper things in us as you change our hearts, that we would embrace your great plan with love for people of all kinds. Whatever may be needed, change it in us, I pray. And God, speak to us, inspire us, whether it's a brand new project that you speak to us or whether it's the simple message of reaching out to our, our Turkish neighbor or our Russian neighbor or our Nigerian neighbor or speaking a word of extra friendliness to our Pakistani work colleague or our Kenyan work colleague or uh, if you come from one of those places, God giving you a fresh confidence to belong amongst Brits in this place. Whichever way round it may be, God, would you inspire us forward and show us how to be part of your great plan by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for a week of ethnic breakthrough for us as your people. We pray that you would only continue to build our diversity united in Christ. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.